Well, happy anniversary to you all. You all forgot? Really? Like the one year anniversary, that's a big deal in a relationship. Well, if you're just, let me get you caught up. Last, our anniversary was actually last Monday. Bishop Sharma Lewis has appointed me to Mount Olivet for another year. So don't worry if you forgot to get me something. You have an entire year to get me an anniversary gift. Over the past year, we've gotten to know one another a little bit. You learned that I have an affinity for barbershops and a retired Episcopal priest named Fleming Rutledge. I learned that Pastor Ed loves words, their origin and function. And along with that, I learned that he has an intense disdain for the word awesome. I also learned that Mount Olivet is a place of welcome for all people. Gay, straight, Protestant, Catholic, Jew, Muslim, even Democrats and Republicans are all welcome in this place. Welcoming people into the community is part of the DNA at Mount Olivet. And it was one of the first things that I learned about you all. While it is plastered on a sign along Glebe Road, before I even arrived here last summer, I learned that this church welcomes people through its doors every day, through community partners like La Cocina and Just Neighbors. And over the past year, you have made me and my family feel especially welcome in this place. And for that, I am grateful. Over the past year, you have also heard bits and pieces of my calling into ministry. Many of you know that my wife, Allison, married a security engineer back in 2009. She did not marry a minister. But somewhere between September of 2009 and September 2011, something happened. In the late winter, early spring of 2009, Allison and I began shopping. We were shopping for a church to be married in. Really, we were shopping for a preacher because... Like many of our peers, we didn't want to have a churchy wedding. Ideally, the preacher would keep the sermon short, something I'm sure most of you wish every morning. (laughs) We were hoping that the preacher would make sure that we said our vows correctly and then sign the marriage license without too much hassle. We knew what we wanted, and we created a plan, and that's what we were going to stick to. It's not that we wanted church to be easy. It's that church for us, two people who grew up attending Sunday school and worship regularly. Church had become a thing that people watched other people do. Because after all, it's easy to sit and watch a small group of people be the church within the larger body of the church. And for us, quite frankly, that's not something we wanted to be a part of. Like many millennials, I had life-changing experiences encountering the risen Christ as a teenager. But as an adult, those experiences were few and far between. Our scripture reading this morning is a mashup from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount makes up three chapters in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus has just proclaimed the Beatitudes. That's what our gathering litany was this morning. The blessed are theys, and because they are blessed, the kingdom of God is now theirs. 
Those people that are now blessed were not exactly the folks most people in first century Israel would have considered to be blessed. And because of that, Jesus had just dropped this new reality on his disciples based on how he had flipped the structure of first century Israel on its head. Our first reading from Matthew 5 is a favorite among Christians. Because Jesus tells his disciples, then and us today, that we are the salt and light of the world. If you were feeling insignificant this morning or have just had a terrible morning, let that sink in for a moment. As Jesus was speaking these words because of who he is, a new relationship was developed by him with his closest friends. A new community was formed by Jesus as he taught the disciples and those who had gathered nearby to eavesdrop on Jesus. When the, when the disciples heard Jesus speaking about salt and light, they had a choice to make. They could have resisted the way that Jesus was reorganizing the community. While being salt and light might sound like a prestigious honor, this new status would also draw the attention of those who opposed Jesus' changes to the community and placed that attention also onto his disciples. 2,000 years ago, salt was rarely used to season food. Instead, salt was used to preserve food. It was a necessity of life if you wanted to survive. So when Jesus tells his disciples that once salt is no longer good, he is talking about contaminated salt that doesn't preserve food. He's not talking like a snooty top chef contestant. He's telling his disciples that when they are no longer preserving the community he has created, they will be cast aside as light They are to give honor and glory to God in all things that they do, drawing attention to God and God's faithfulness, shining God's light into the world and not their own. Together as salt and light, the disciples who hear this sermon are called into a new community. They are being called into a new life together Dietrich Bonhoeffer notes that the implications of this now mean that the church is a community in and through Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. And because they and we are salt and light, the rest of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount lays out the implications that are now essential to what it means to be a community centered in the reordering Jesus did in the Beatitudes. Jesus places his disciples on notice. No longer will self-righteousness and public displays of piety be acceptable. The signs and wonders that they will perform are to be done in consultation with the Father, just as Jesus has done and will continue to do all the way to the cross. Prior to Jesus saying these words in his Sermon on the Mount, almsgiving, that was the social security in first century Israel, was done in a way that would draw attention to the one giving 
money. The trumpet that Jesus is referring to is the sound made when alms were tossed into the bucket, for lack of a better term, within the community. The opening on this container looked like a trumpet. And in many cases, throwing money into this container with this loud clanging noise was more about making yourself look good in front of your neighbors than it was actually helping the poor. Private devotions during this time had spilled out of the home and into the public square. And now Jesus teaches his disciples that they are not to parade their good deeds in piety for all to see. Prayer is to be done simply, directly, and with sincerity. Jesus isn't telling us that we shouldn't pray publicly. What he is saying, though, is that those private devotions, those deepest prayers that we share with God, those are to be between us and God and not something that we stand on the street corner and do. Jesus has changed the focus of first century Jewish piety towards God. And for the skeptics out there, he specifically directs attention to the one who sent him. So even in this moment, Jesus is humbling himself and taking on the role of a servant. After Allison and I decided to ask one of the pastors at a United Methodist Church in Alexandria to officiate our wedding back in 2009, We didn't return for Sunday services because the pastor required us to do so in order to get married, or because we were ever actually invited back to church after meeting with him. Statistically speaking, it's very likely, very unlikely for anyone to be invited to church. You might be asking yourself why. It's because individually, you all, now I'm talking about you, and you all back here in the choir, You invite someone to church every 33 years. One person every 33 years. So if you're not 33 yet, you've got time. If you're over 33 and you haven't done it yet, you better hurry up. And if you're in your 60s and you haven't done it yet, you've got a lot of catching up to do. Allison and I went back to that church in Alexandria, Virginia, Because the acts of charity and piety being performed were not self-centered and instead were focused on honoring God and being part of the kingdom of God here on earth today. We returned week after week to have our lives transformed by the word of God. My life was transformed. I am in ministry today because of a community focused on living out their faith as followers of Jesus Christ and not as a church with flashy sales gimmicks. We have been given the Holy Scriptures so that the Word of God may be shared with others. It's not something that we keep to ourselves in a private devotional once a day. When we open ourselves to be a community that is transformed by the Word of God, our natural reaction then is to speak it, to live it out, pointing our attention to the one who has drawn us into community with one another, the one who holds us together through the promise to be with us whenever two or three are gathered together. It is the grace of God and the grace of God alone that 
provides life for our community. So maybe when Jesus told his disciples and those who were eavesdropping on the dis- in a distance to go and make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission, he did not include and invite folks to church with you. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, he fully expected this newly formed band of followers to become a force of transformation within their own community. Don't get me wrong. I love church. I took six weeks off away from you all when Nora was born. I thought I would love not seeing y'all for a few weeks. I actually missed you. When followers of Jesus Christ come together to further the kingdom of God, awesome things will happen. So often, though, inviting someone to church is about a great program that is coming up or a fabulous, good-looking, young, new preacher that was just appointed there. But instead, we are called to be proclaimers of God's unwavering grace lived out by Jesus Christ and witnesses to the power and promise of the empty tomb. It's not that we shouldn't invite people to come to church. Instead, our lives are to be a force of transformation, a living witness to the word of God made flesh in Jesus Christ. And that, my friends... That is a far greater invitation than anything else we can offer. Thanks be to God. Amen.